hey, will you be careful? Look, you're dropping ketchup and pickles all over my new seat. I can't help it. Doing? They overstacked it. They overstacked this well, thing. Look how many pickles they got. I can't help it if I drop things on your, can on you, your truck seat. Can you hold it with both hands, please, at least? I am trying to hold it with both hands, but how can I drink my drink and hold it with both hands and get these fries? Oop, the fries went down. Oh, Jesus. I dropped they're, the fries down. Now they're the b- behind the console. God damn it. Well, what do you care? They're right next to other fries that you spilled. They're Those are my fries. Oh, are you going to eat them later? Maybe. Are you going to be like this when we record our podcast? Maybe. Who would want to listen to two people bicker for more than two hours? Now back up, put the gun down, and give me a pack of tropical fruit bubblicious and some Skittles. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, the movie's reputation is good? In certain circles, I guess it is, yeah. They're fans of it, right? It was it was a hit at the time. People okay. still like it, I think. They made two sequels. They sure did. As they get older, I think they're probably trapped in it now. We're going to see them when they're 70. (laughs) Where am I now? Who are you again? (laughs) What movie? What movie is it this time around? What what movie? What buddy cop movie are we watching and reviewing this time around, Steve? What have we done? It's that hit action comedy, Bad Boys. Oh, this is about rascally little kids running around. Painting people's fences. Wait, that's not a necessarily tricking people into painting fences for them, tying cans to cats' tails, put dipping little girls' pigtails into the inkwell. Other weird things from a hundred years ago that kids apparently did. Nope, it's about two grown men being police officers badly. <laughs> Hooray! Bad boys. Uh, I didn't know it was a Michael Bay film until after I put it on the list for you to choose from. I would have, I would have thought, I could have sworn this was a Tony Scott film, and it's. Oh. I mean, they're practically the same. I understand this, but I didn't not only know that it was um, a Michael Bay film, but it was his first movie. That's right. I didn't know he only he gobbled up only half of the '90s. I could have sworn he made something before '95. <laughs> it seems like he's been making films for longer, doesn't it? It has, especially this one. Which, when I watched it, I was like, "This is a joke movie, right? This is a parody of '90s movies, right? This isn't serious." <laughs> no, if it was a parody. That would require it to have a discernible point of view. Oh. And Michael Bay don't do points of view unless no, you're talking unless you're talking about a leering upskirt shot. <laughs> has a kind of point of view you get in a locker room. Yeah. In intermediate school. <laughs> Steve. Yeah. Do you have any trivia for I, bad boys? I I did find some trivia about bad boys. Um, Why did you do that? I found three pieces of trivia about yeah, bad but, boys. But they always, they hurt. These things will hurt, right? Uh, they're not good. They're, well, nothing related to bad boys is good. That's, I mean, that, okay. it's, it's not called, it's not called good boys. What would that movie be like? <laughs> Why is this movie even called Bad Boys? Because they... Is it solely based on the popularity of a yeah. song from a, from cops? A song that they actually quote and sing in the movie. And then, of course, and of course, and they also play it at the end, because why the fuck not at that point? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, so my first bit of trivia you actually touched on a moment ago, which is this is Michael Bay's first film as a director, as a... Uh, his, yeah, he, he had been directing music 
music videos and stuff. <laughs> you can't even tell. Um, but Not by the way, this thing is shot and edited. No, but uh, this is his first feature film. And unfortunately, it was a big hit, so they let him make a lot more feature films after this. But one good thing about Bad Boys as compared to his later work is that, believe it or not, this is the, so far, the only Michael Bay-directed film to have a running time under two hours. So this is the best one. So this is, by default, this is the best one, yes. And it's only the best because it's the shortest. You the will... least amount of Michael Bay content that you can eat <laughs> you is will... just under the two-hour mark. Exactly. And if you if you didn't like it, oh, here comes seconds and thirds because the other movies just get longer and longer. And exactly. you're like, no more, no it's, more. It's like when people say it's like choosing, you know, between a shit sandwich. And I say, well, which is the smallest shit sandwich? That's the one I want. I don't want the... I, is that what you're going to do in hell? Die yeah. for your shit sandwich. Which one's the smallest? Give me that one. That looks like it's a little smaller than the that other one. The demon looks down at the platter. They're all the same size. <laughs> looks back at you. Looks back at the platter. <laughs> Okay, that's one. That's one. Time um, for two. Okay, number two. Michael Bay hated the script. I know he did. And that's why he encouraged his actors to improvise so much. That's right. You're stealing stuff right out of my thing. Again. I'm sorry. It's right when I was going to bring up the quote-unquote writers. The quote. I was going to bring this shit up. <laughs> the writers. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think the, the script was really that bad? Oh, God. It's hard to imagine. Or did you just think he thought it was bad it's and the script was actually good? Yeah. I mean, with, Mike, with Michael Bay, it's hard to tell. I mean... It's difficult to imagine whatever was on the page being Remember, being worse than what made script, it on screen. This script was originally written as a comedic vehicle for Dana Carvey yeah. and uh, John Lovitz. John Lovitz, yeah. So if they had written it specifically for those two people, right? Yeah. And then they gave it to Martin Lawrence... <laughs> And Will Smith. And Will Smith. Maybe maybe it didn't work. Maybe it didn't work. Or maybe it was a fantastic script and he just didn't like it because there wasn't enough leering shots of women or, or scenes shot at in the golden hour. Right, exactly. Yeah, it, that's, that's a really good question. I didn't think about that. But yeah, it, Michael Bay decided that it was a bad script. That's, that's all you need to say. Michael yeah. Bay decided... <laughs> <laughs> what? Who, who let bad. him decide? <laughs> who, who made it up to him? Um, but on that note, my last bit of trivia touches on that as well, because Michael Bay, uh, because he thought that the script was bad, he asked for rewrites. And the studio said, you can have $10,000 for rewrites, mm -hmm. which isn't enough to hire a writer to do a rewrite in Hollywood, at least not to do much of one, because writers are expensive, because they make everything up. And um, because they work once every five years, and the money that they get for rewriting or writing a script needs to last them until yeah. the next time that they sell a script. Yeah, because unless you are one of a lucky few, uh, being mm. a screenwriter is a terrible life, filled with anxiety, right. and you're basically living right. from job when to you, job. When you hear that a writer got paid 100000 $200,000 for a script. Don't go, oh, well, no, that's money that needs to last them for a good long time after they get done exactly. paying off all of their fucking debts from the last time. <laughs> from the last time, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the so the movie Bad Boys was, um, for, for a movie of this size, it was shot on a relatively tight budget. 
Um, so that's why there's so much improv because they couldn't afford the rewrites that Michael Bay deemed necessary. And he also, uh, Michael Bay donated back $25,000 of his, uh, of his salary so they could shoot an action scene because there was no the last the, action. Yeah. Scene cause the... yeah. Cause there was no money for the, for, for that scene. And the Porsche that they drive in the movie is Michael Bay's Porsche because the studio would not rent him a car. For the and movie. of course, when you picture Michael Bay driving anything, he's driving a Porsche. Yes, of course. It's not like a Pinto. Like, Here, you can borrow my car. <laughs> a Ford, like a, a little, a little Geo, just a little compact <laughs> that can barely make it up a hill. Hey, here comes Michael Bay! Yay! All right, what else? That's it. That's, that's all the that, trivia. That's all I got. I barely could get that much. I was I was scrolling through the trivia page of of IMDb and going, nope, don't care about that. Don't care about that. Don't care about that. <laughs> That was me going through the movie. Anyway, so... <laughs> Didn't care about that. Let's talk about who made it. Yeah. You want to talk about who made it? It was directed by Michael Bay. You know him. He He's made things that hurt people. <laughs> and, and children watch his movies and they go, wow, explosions and colors. And um, I feel funny when he shoots women. Yeah. Like I, I'm supposed to want them but not like them. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I asked my dad and he said asked my mom and so i asked my mom and she cried <laughs> so i don't i don't know i guess i'll watch transformers nine more times <laughs> you know him he made the rock and armageddon and the transformer movies mm-hmm. and uh nothing else that oh, someone comes here and stomps on this cat hard <laughs> just come a little bit closer a little bit closer cat fuck off i'm content to just yell at my cat yeah, okay? we can just yeah we you can just keep do going. that yeah. screenplay by michael burry nothing and jim mulholland nothing and <laughs> doug richardson who also helped write die hard too and by right i mean they actually wrote a script with lines and i as near as i can tell every all of it just got dumped on the floor <laughs> <laughs> right? I think they kept the plot points, and that was it. Yeah. Right? And it also is why this movie is almost two hours long. Because as Steve said, he said, just fucking improv and we'll just shoot it. We'll just shoot it. <laughs> I promise we'll wasteful. keep everything. We'll keep every meaningless thing. I know that the two of you guys can only, apparently, improvise scenes where you fight. <laughs> yes. I mean, this cat's going to die. This cat will die. It's winking at me. The cat winked at me. What does that mean? I, I, I think you're going to find out tonight. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to leave the house. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Story by George Gallo. And uh, he wrote Midnight Run. No, you don't. This is a leather chair, goddammit. I'm just going to have a fight with my cat. Okay. Right here on the show. It's, it was going to happen, and now she just... We're just gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna keep our eyes down, and we're just gonna get through this. Yes, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna gut it out. I don't give give a shit about the cat. I don't care about the movie. It's fine. It's fine. I'm glad Steve's here to watch me just fucking melt down. I've had the longest week of my life, and hobbling around like an old man because my knee's out, and I've had to be traveling to the city for work. I'm like, oh, don't don't forget, Jason, you have to watch Bad Boys. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I don't have to do anything. And you're like, yeah, you do. You made a commitment to your friend, to yourself, and to your audience. And I'm like, why did I do that? Who does that? What crazy person makes a commitment to watch fucking Bad Boys? I'm not getting that time back. I'm old. I need to be fulfilling my life with things that make that give me joy. Yes. Right, Steve? Yes. Yes. Jason? What is it? Produced by... <sighs> Just focus on the work. Just focus on the work. Produced by Don Simpson. <laughs> and you know him from movies like Flashdance, Beverly Hills Cop, 
and Top Gun. Dunn Simpson was a character, wasn't he, Steve? He sure was. He was he was like if you were going to write a movie and you were going to have a stereotypical Hollywood producer, that was Don Simpson. <laughs> weirdo coke addict. Yeah. What oh, kind yeah. of weirdo? He'd buy black Levi's jeans, wear them once unwashed, and then throw them away and put on a new pair of black Levi's jeans. What a guy. Despite the fact that he was overweight and looking old, he got a lot of plastic surgery done, but told everyone he didn't. He, cl- he claimed... <laughs> A lot of credit for a lot of shit he never did, and he partied, party, partied until his producing partner broke up with him because he was an addict, and until he died with 21 chemicals in his system. A world record. <laughs> also produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Same movies as above, up above. You know him. He's, he's produced lots of stuff. A lot of stuff that I think that the developing fluid that they used on the film was testosterone. (laughs) How'd they get it? I don't know. But all of his films reek of it. Yeah. So this is one of them. Great. Starring Martin Lawrence as Detective Sergeant Marcus Miles Burnett. And you know him from the TV show Martin and movies like Big Mama's House. Hey, guys, don't stay up late waiting to find out when we're going to review that piece of shit, because, no, it's never <laughs> it, happening. It doesn't fit our criteria. Nope. Thank God. Also starring Will Smith is Detective Sergeant Michael Eugene Mike Lowry. Do I have to tell you what he's done? You may have heard Maybe of I him. I do. You may... Actually, wait. If, the, if you're a younger viewer and you missed his heyday, maybe I do have to tell you what he's done. <laughs> he used to be the biggest movie star in the world. That's right. For some reason, he was the biggest movie he's a star very, in the world. He's a very charismatic fellow. That's right. And he was in a whole bunch of movies in the 1990s. And now uh, he was in Ali, right? Yeah. He was in that movie where a guy knows he's going to die and he's donating all of his organs. What was that called? Seven pounds or something? Uh, something like yeah, something like that. Yeah. He was in that football movie where he was the doctor who was like, stop playing football. Oh, yeah, the concussion movie, yeah. Yeah, the concussion yeah. movie. He's like, news, also, news flash, yeah. football is bad for you. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> wow. Who'd have thunk it? Tia Leone is Julia Mott, and you know her from Deep Impact, Jurassic Park 3, and some other things that are better than this movie. <laughs> Checky, checky, Checky Cario. That's close enough, Checky. I guess. He's kind of a fucking Klingon name. <laughs> Checky. How do you say that, Steve? T C H E K, and the E has a little thing over it. Yeah, K-Y. I, I would just say Checky. I think you're right, but I mean, Checky. To, but if it was if he was a Klingon, he'd be, he'd be like Tchecky or something. Tchecky. That makes sense. Tchecky. <laughs> hey, Tchecky, get over here. The most popular vaudevillian comedian in on, on Kronos. In, yes. And now, the comedy stylings of Tchecky. <laughs> Kill my wife, please. <laughs> Tchecky, son of Pocono. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, he's the bad guy. He plays Antoine Fauché because, of course, he has to be a, a foreign evil bad guy. Well, yeah, of course. Because, you know, Europe sends all of its bad guys to the Americas because that's where you can make the real money. Yeah. You couldn't possibly do a movie about an evil American drug dealer in Miami. (laughs) That would be crazy. Well, at least he's not South American or, you know, something more stereotypical. That's true. He could have been like a Cuban or something. Yeah. Or he could have been a terrorist. 
terrorist. <gasps> they should have made him a terrorist anyway. They should have made him a French terrorist. <laughs> we haven't seen those since Superman 2. Come on, where are all the yeah, French no. terrorists? <laughs> well, that's Superman. He showed them what happened. <laughs> he took care of it. <laughs> he throws your elevator into space. That's what he does. That's right. That's what you get, Frenchie. <laughs> Anyway, he was in the core and the Patriot and a whole bunch of like a whole bunch of other stuff, but nothing notable. Teresa Randall as Teresa Burnett, and you know her from Malcolm X, Space Jam. Joe Pantaleano, good old Joey Pants, doing another one of his I yell a lot roles yeah. <laughs> as Captain Conrad Howard, and you know him from the Matrix, and you know him from everything else. He's Joey Pants. Come on. Marge Helgenberger in I Walk Into Every Scene, Say Something, and Then Leave. <laughs> <laughs> Not a very deep character. As Captain Allison Sinclair, and you know her from CSI. Mm -hmm. And I think she was in Species. I'm not sure. Maybe. Nestor Serrano is Detective Sanchez, and you know him from 24. And Julio Oscar Macoso as Detective Ruiz, and he was in Jurassic Park 3 and Little Miss Sunshine. And there was a whole bunch of other people that I just said, fuck it. I don't feel like reading their names. <laughs> So I cut him out. So if you are one of those people going, oh boy, finally a movie I'm in, and you were like Bell Bellboy, I don't care if you were later on The Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I do just want to shout out the guy who played the Bellboy, though, because Why? because he was Mocha Joe in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay, fine. So, Whatever. Respect for Mocha Joe. Whatever. The receptionist the, the that that betrayed everybody in <gasps> yeah. this movie was uh, the cut face horror. <laughs> I can't remember her name. <laughs> Delilah. And and Delilah and Unforgiven. Yeah, boy, talk about a come down. <laughs> Star in one of the sure, greatest westerns ever made, and then two years later, you're in Bad Boys. I know. Number one, she's much older than she appears, right? Yeah. Because she was in, unless she was a 12-year-old in Heaven's Gate, which is a possibility, um, she's been around, and she's never really gotten, like, a big breakout role. Right. I like her. I honestly do like her. Me too. As an actress. Yeah, me too. I mean, she was even good in The Crow, but... I didn't include her here, so if you're out there, I'm sorry. Well, just let's just do and the rest. <laughs> and the rest. <laughs> Trapped in this horrible show. Okay. Cinematography by Howard Atherton. And he's done movies like Fatal Attractive, Attraction and Indecent Proposal. Boy, those don't sound related at all, do they? No, they have completely different Boy, that doesn't scream films. 90s thriller, does it? <laughs> I expected if it could keep going, the movies would have become like, you know, Fatal Attraction and Decent Proposal, proposal Pervy Request, you know, <laughs> Unsolicited Ogling. Um, Filthy Insinuation. <laughs> edited by Christian Wagner, and he's done move, other 90s movies like Face Off and Mission Impossible 2. But most recently, The Suicide Squad. Not Suicide Squad. He didn't do that one. He was a co-editor on the new one. The, the good, good one. The good one. <laughs> the Suicide Squad. Music by Mark Mancina. And he's done soundtracks for Speed, Twister, Tarzan, Training Day, and Moana. So he's gotten a lot of work, and I doubt mm -hmm. very many people know his name. But he's been on tons of movies, yeah. so good on you, yeah. dude. Go get your money, Sorry Mark. Sorry about this. Yeah. Get your money, Mark. <laughs> I know. Don't pay attention. You probably, they probably didn't even tell you what the movie was about. And quite honestly, I don't remember you doing any music because there were so many, <laughs> so many songs in this goddamn thing. 
Production companies, Columbia Pictures, Don Simpson slash Jerry Burkheimer Films, and now it's just Jerry Burkheimer Films, because Don Simpson died in his shower naked of uh, who knows how many drugs he was sticking in his system. <laughs> the medical examiner just threw up their hands. Just, ah, yep. I don't fucking know. Didn't even make it to the next year for The Rock. Such they, a... dedicate the, they dedicate The Rock to him. Oh, good. That's sweet. That's really sweet. It is sweet. Even though a lot of the prostitutes that he would hire claimed that he was into sexual violence. <laughs> so it's appropriate that it was a Sean Connery movie that they dedicated to him. <laughs> well, that's how they found Sean Connery for the role. I was like, I don't understand. He, we were having fun, and he went and took a shower, and then he was dead. <laughs> Distributed by Sony Pictures Releasing. Release date, April 7th, 1995. Running time, 119 minutes. Budget, $19 million. Adjusted for inflation, $34 million. Box office, $141.4 million. Adjusted, $258 million. So it was super hit. Hooray! And it was not like anything we'd ever seen before. Or it was like everything we had seen before, crammed into one movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Steve. Yeah. You ready to get ready to wear some, some super hip clothes? Yeah. Because apparently detectives don't have a dress code. Apparently. In in movies, it's one of those movies where detectives don't have dress codes. Nope, detectives can just roam the city and do whatever they want. Or dressed however, dress they, however want, they want. Driving, driving whatever the fuck they want. They don't they never carry a radio. <laughs> No, a radio, are you crazy? Why would they need a radio? Why? That would imply that they actually belong to a police force ah. that could assist them from time <laughs> to time. Backup? What are you talking about? Are you implying their dicks are small and they need backup? Like like pitiful weaklings with no testosterone? Everyone knows that if it's a Bruckheimer film, they have to literally be leaking it out of their bodies. <laughs> Exactly, because they're real men and they do manly things. <laughs> like not have sex with their wives, apparently. That's right, because that's the joke. Yeah, because it's funny. It's funny because, yeah. And because his partner's always getting the pussy. Yeah, see? So they're like the odd couple, really. In fact, the first time we see his partner, well, no, second time we see his partner, he's got like two girls in his room. Yeah, right? which is yeah. weird because like they're so different, yet they have the exact same personality. You know what else is weird? What? He seems surprised that they're there. <laughs> like, you shouldn't you know? Yeah, I guess he doesn't. Maybe he thought it was one woman the entire night. He just, he's that attentive. He just can't keep track of it all. Who, yeah, well, who would? Would you? Nah, no. nah, I wouldn't. He's one of these mythical police officers who's a millionaire. Yes, exactly. For no reason, just... No, his family left him his money. Well, I, That's what he said. Yeah, I know, but like, there's no reason in the story for him and to... And he always wanted to be a cop. Yeah. And he's they're like, okay, because uh, you like it. You like being a cop? I can't see that in here. You never seem, you always seem angry yeah. well, and that you're a cop. Can you <laughs> and can you imagine him, like, doing, you know, how, like, however many years you have to do as a uniformed officer before you get even a chance to get promoted to detective? As near as I can tell, they're both about 20, between 25 and 30, and they've been partners for six yeah. years. So they graduated the police academy right after they graduated high school. As detectives. They, they immediately. <laughs> became detectives and they've just been detectives ever since well they took the accelerated program oh i gotcha right yeah. that way they came out as officers and detectives where they never ever had to walk a beat or nope. do anything so yeah great. cool steve steve yes i'm gonna get on this bus leaving miami can you uh 
Can you just do the show? Do you, do you want me to do the the review of Bad Boys all by myself? I'll do the review. You just no, do the you, recap. you just want me to do the plot recap. Yeah, I'm gonna go get me a Cuban sandwich. That's so good. Oh, okay. I'm gonna sit by the beach. Okay. I'm gonna feel Florida slowly sinking into the ocean. <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to drink some brackish water, come back hallucinating badly. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll give my review, which will be about fish or I don't know what. But it'll be funny, whatever it's going to be, because I... I'll be stuffed full of Cuban sandwiches and brackish water. <laughs> okay, well, I mean... I, I... Okay, you and me, let's get in this car and let's drive into the world of the fucking, you know, bad boys. Let's do it. Neither one of us are singing that song. No, no, nobody's, nobody's ever singing that song again. <laughs> All right, Steve... Put your pedal to the metal and let's go into the world of the bad boys. Steve, take it away. Hey, so Marcus and Mike are detectives, except we don't know that yet, although you kind of do because that's how the movie was marketed. But anyway, um, they're in Mike's brand new Porsche. And Marcus is yeah. eating, and he's a slob, and he's dropping stuff all over. And Mike's like, "Hey, you're dropping stuff in my new car. Stop that!" And can I ask a question? Yeah. What time of day is it? What? 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 That concept is has it, no meaning in this <laughs> what? film. Was it daytime? Is because uh, everything's been orange as we've been watching this right. Porsche drive down completely empty freeways. So it's either morning or evening. Right. So both it, rush hour times, but there's no one on the freeway. Also, if it's morning and they're on their way into work, why is Marcus? First of all, why is Marcus eating? Because we establish a little later that he eats breakfast at his house with his family. And B, why That's is right. he eating a hamburger for breakfast? That seems a little weird. So it must be sunset. He's eating his dinner. So the yeah, car. they're on their way back from work i guess and they stopped at a, like a drive-thru yeah sure and, and they, they are, probably they, argued, they argued for 20 minutes <laughs> and and it's obvious that i'm not calling them by their names martin is yes <laughs> you know why you know why i'm not gonna call them by their names because it's in this fucking movie during one of the improvs where you can hear will smith call marcus martin yeah so I'm calling him Martin. Fuck it. So Martin's a slob and he doesn't know how to eat because he's a baby and he's spilling his food everywhere. <laughs> and we have a f- 20 to 15 minute argument about that. Yep. Right? That's, yep, yep. Uh, until uh, we literally show them on the freeway. But when he pulls over, they're on, they're in a, next to a park. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they pull over because, because Will Smith has had enough of Martin Lawrence disrespecting his car and dropping food everywhere. And it just so happens right after they pull their car over, mm-hmm. a car pulls up behind them and wouldn't you know it it's a gang of carjackers yeah wouldn't you know it it's not a gang it's It's two guys guys. and their girlfriend a girl gets out for no apparent reason other than to be in a short skirt and a low-cut top to walk out in front of the car yeah (laughs) but they don't notice them because they're fighting and then they say hey we're car we're, we're stealing your car and they're like no, they just start fighting again, right? Right, they start fighting with each other, and then they, like, turn on the carjackers and beat them up and knock them down and pull their guns, and they're like, we're cops! And we're like, oh, they're, they're badasses. Yeah. So then we cut... Okay, so we keep losing the orange tint that's on everything in that scene. It keeps flip-flopping back and forth. <laughs> but then we cut to a big sign, like the Hollywood sign, but it says Miami. Yeah. And then we see an airplane fly over it. Yeah. And I, that's when I literally thought, this is a joke movie, right? Yeah. This isn't real. Well, no, it's a movie this... made for idiots by an idiot. <laughs> 
Then we have, I guess it's sunset, and we go into Miami, and the credits are playing, and I gotta sneeze again. <coughs> I should have taken some Benadryl, then I could have slept through this. Um, <laughs> Just take a nap, honey. But some some ninja guys, a whole bunch of snake guys from G.I. Joe yeah. are breaking into... <laughs> someplace yes yes let's let's talk about the most unnecessarily complicated heist i've ever seen <laughs> you know what's kind of funny the rock starts the same way yeah that's hmm, what's weird i know it's not weird it's, it's stupid it's almost like he's a terrible director with no ideas <laughs> Anyway, so these guys are busting into a police office. Yeah, and they're stealing the heroin that's been stacked up. And yeah, but there's a guy who's got the fart burps because he's the guard. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah like, like oh, we need to make sure we get that shot. Yeah, those tacos aren't doing me any favors. <laughs> And they keep cutting back to them breaking in. They cut back to the guy who's like waking up from a nap going, oh, no, my narcolepsy. (laughs) Oh, no. Why? Oh, here comes the Tourette's. (laughs) Fart. He's like a pro wrestling referee, like just looking, always looking away when the when the bad guy is whacking the good guy in the balls or grabbing a grabbing a chair. He's like, huh, what's that over there? I didn't see anything. Anyway, Frenchie McFrogerson is leading this team, <laughs> and and they're breaking in, and they're going to steal the heroin. They knock out the guy by jamming a needle in his neck, right? Mm. And uh, they get all the stuff. They it, they succeed. The end. The movie's they, over. Yes, the, the good guys win. Oh, but then it's the next morning, and it's just as orange as it was in the evening, and we go to Martin's house, and... Oh, right. If we haven't covered it before, they were... Part of the argument was that he couldn't get any quote-unquote quality time with his wife. Yeah, get used to that. Which means he doesn't fuck his wife enough. Yeah. Or at all, and, and honestly, getting to know him, can you blame his wife? No, Like, no, am no, I? No. are we really so... Like, I, <laughs> yeah, of course your wife doesn't fuck you. You're an asshole. He's in bed. He wants to instigate sex. Because the first thing he does is he shows her his boner. And she's like, we can't right now. We got to get up. The children are coming. Children come in. They're children. (laughs) (laughs) They have breakfast. One of the kids is riding around on roller whatevers. Then their Uncle uh, Mikey, right? Yeah. Uncle Mikey shows up, and that's Will Smith. That's Will Smith. And there's because they're just like family. They're best friends as well as partners. That's right. And then someone knows to call him at the house. And it's... Someone yelling, which I'm assuming is their chief, because it's that kind of movie. Exactly. And it is. So what happens next, Steve? Well, they fight some more. They have another improv fight that lasts 10, 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, they bicker, they bicker about nothing a little bit more. And then they go to the police station, which is where the robbery was. Because it turns out that all the heroin that was stolen by those ninjas was heroin that uh, Martin and Will had seized as part of a big bust that they just did. That they just did, and they're like, oh no, and then the sergeant is like, okay, listen, um, if we don't get this heroin back in 72 hours, the DEA and the FDI will shut the precinct down, and then no one will have a job. Because that's how that works. What? (laughs) (laughs) Because the DEA has the power to shut down an entire division of a local police department. (laughs) That's right. That's right, Steve. (laughs) In Miami, and and where uh, it seems like the cops would need to have 
the narcotics division. Who who employs the cops, Steve? The city of Miami. It's the city of Miami. Or, city, yeah, yeah, city and county of Miami. Yeah. Right? This is the city. So the DA and the FBI just come in and arbitrarily shut down an entire precinct. And I guess just later on they say everybody's been reassigned, right? Right. But in this case, it makes it seem like they'll close us down and we'll have to get real jobs or something. <laughs> Yep. So he tells two of these other detectives, you're going to go find out about who did the air conditioning stuff, right? Who contracted the air conditioning stuff. And you two lead characters are going to, you're going to find out who did this. Find the heroine. Yeah. Yeah. And get back here. I don't know how you're going to do it. We have no, we have zero leads. Yeah. And I have no leads. We don't know who did it. We have no idea. We don't have any identity. There's no fingerprints, I guess. And it's going to be just you two. I'm not giving you any additional manpower to do this, even though apparently the fate of the entire division rests on this case mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Mar- marge helgenberger comes in and she's like hi i represent the dea no no she's internal the affairs FBI? she's internal oh affairs, she's internal which affairs, which which like, means she's automatically a bad guy yeah and she's like i'm gonna shut you down and then she walks off because this is all she does this is all she does yes she routinely walks in and either says i'm gonna shut you down until the last time where she's like i shut you down right because that's that's this that's this movie that's this whole fucking movie so what happens next i don't know oh, they go to a guy who owns a tire shop yeah and it's the dude from the sopranos mm. whatever his name yeah. is michael imperioli michael imperioli he's the one that gets suffocated at the end like, oh it's so good <laughs> i wish i could have helped i wish you could have helped i want to kill him <laughs> anyway so they improv around him for about five minutes that goes nowhere right because right. they're like hey you could tell me something about something but then they go to a boxing training gym yeah right? yeah because will smith knows one of the girls there he fucked her once yeah I think. and she has she's like she's close to the streets so, so she'll have information she knows hooker people yeah he's like ask your hooker friends who stole all that heroin and get back to me because about that because whoever stole it is probably gonna be flashing around money or something right sure and we have some jokey stuff with Martin trying to lift weights then we go back to the precinct and he sees this blonde receptionist lady that's like giving him messages I don't know anymore. <laughs> she gives him the stuff the the they found out who contracted the air conditioning because they came in through the air conditioning ducts. Right. Right? And they're like, Okay, let's let's go and let's go and go in and talk to the guy. And if you look real carefully when they're standing in front of the house, you can see the cameraman not only in the car reflection, but also in the reflection on the outside of the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. And not like, you know, like blink and you'll miss it. It's like, there he is right there. I can see the sandwich he's eating. <laughs> they go in the house and they smell a dead body. Yep. And he's been dead for a while. Apparently. He, he's all, yeah, he's, he's not looking he's good. He's all messed up. And then they just, <laughs> and then, hey, Steve. Steve. Yeah, yeah. Neither one of us are cops. That's true. But I'm willing to bet that both of us know the correct procedure for when a body is discovered. I would I would guess, yeah, you you wanna you wanna call it in like right away. Do and, you wanna walk into the crime no, scene and start you want, picking up papers or moving the body? No, you want to avoid touching things until it can be the scene can or be. Or moving things. Yeah, yeah. Or taking evidence. Because it's exactly because it's a crime scene. You wanna leave it the way do you they found do that? it. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They 
they proceed to get in an argument about Martin Lawrence not liking dead people, right? Yeah. It makes him it makes him with the barfies. Yeah, cuz that's bad, I guess. A real man is completely fine around rotting dead bodies. They thoroughly contaminate the crime scene, right? Yes. In which they even move the body a little bit, right? Yep. Neither one of them seem to be terribly good at their job. No, they really don't seem to be good at it at all. Mm-hmm. And hey, Steve, guess what? <laughs> what? It's it's sunset again somehow. <laughs> How'd that happen? <laughs> it's been a long day. It's sunset again, and they're driving in their car, and they're fighting again, again about what? Do you know? I, I don't. I can't remember. The fights all run together in my mind. <laughs> They'd be funnier if they had humor, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think that they're they're we cut away from them and we cut to the girl from the boxing ring, right? And she's calling a girl. No, she's talking to like a prostitute lady, right? And the prostitute lady is like, "I know a guy, and he's asking for a girl, and I know a girl, and we'll send you." But you're totally not prostitutes. You're just girls that go there to. Have fun? Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, hang out. So Boxer Lady hooks up with whatever her name is, Julie. Yeah, Tay right? Leone, yeah. Yeah, Tay Leone. They fail at having, uh, uh, passing the, uh, whatchamacallit text. Oh, yeah, the, the Bechdel test, yeah. The Bechdel yes. test, because all they can talk about is is Mike, yeah. the detective she knows. And she makes sure to say this, if anything ever should happen to me and I'm in trouble, I will call Mike What's-His-Face, because I trust him implicitly. She's like, good to know. They show up and there's the skeeviest 80s guy <laughs> snorting heroin. <laughs> yes. Uncut yep. heroin. Yep. That's a Pulp Fiction scene waiting to happen. <laughs> we shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing as much as he's doing. No, no. And anyway, Tia Leone gets there. He's creepy. And she's like, can I use your bathroom? And he's like, sure. And she goes upstairs and she's like, this is a mistake. And then he gets some company. Oh, no. And it's Frenchie McFrog legs. Yeah. And he's like, what are you doing? You're snorting my, my heroin. And he's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, okay, well, watch this. And then he shoots the boxer lady and... Oh, God. It is a parody, isn't it? When he shoots her, it's ridiculous how it's shot. It's like a close-up of her face and the eye, and you actually, you see zero squibs on her when she gets shot, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. And he bothers to put a pillow in front of the goddamn gun. We never see the bullets exit the pillow, I don't... (laughs) <laughs> and it didn't matter anyway because she goes back first into a glass coffee table yeah. and she's down. <laughs> yeah, good thing you silenced the gun, buddy. Mm-hmm. Tia Leona watched this whole thing from upstairs. And then one guy says, there's a girl up there. And no one sees her, right? No. No one sees her, especially Frenchie McFrog legs. He never sees her. No, no. Right? But she gets up on the roof and then she jumps off and she lands in the pool. And the guys run up there and instead of shooting at her, which they've already done on the rooftop... They go, oh, she made it. Rats. (laughs) What are we going to do now? I don't know. I guess give up. Maybe we should go directly to the police office and let them them arrest us. Like like now? Yeah, we should just give this whole thing up. Yeah. Anyway, uh, then something they go somewhere they go to another crime scene oh it it's it's the 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 room where the boxer lady died yeah right and they're like oh that creepy guy who was snorting heroin is a former cop case closed <laughs> let's go home he must have given him information to get into the police uh, police place right 
That's the idea. And then Mike finds out that boxer lady, who I guess you kind of liked, is dead. And he's he's got and the he, sads because of that now. No, he doesn't get the sads. In these movies, men don't get the oh, sads. Oh, that's he gets the angries. Men don't cry. He gets the angries because yeah. they had to fridge her. <laughs> they had to fridge her. Now he's motivated. Meanwhile, back at pro- prostitute lady's house, her phone goes dead and then her lights go off. And she's like, oh, gosh darn it. And what she didn't realize is there was a bad guy with a sledgehammer because she's going to be killed by a sledgehammer, I guess. Yep. Meanwhile, back at the police station, funny hijinks as Martin tries to talk to two people at once. Yeah, because here's the thing. Um, Julie, because now she needs help, she calls to talk to, to Mike and because Mike is the only person that she'll talk to. And Tony Pants is like, you pretend to be Mike. Yeah, because that's something that an adult would do in a real situation. That's yeah. right. He's like, you pretend, you just tell her that you're Mike and tell her to come in. So Martin does a whole bunch of stuff that's not funny and uh, and somehow convinces this woman that he is Mike Lowry, even though he's acting like a complete weirdo the whole time. Um, Meanwhile, back at prostitute ladies, she's dead. Yep. And, and Will Smith shows up and then he gets hit through a window and these bad guys say, stay out of her business. <laughs> That'll fix it. They've been willing to kill innocent people, but I guess yeah, no. this one dude is like, just stay out of her business. This one guy, they're not going to kill him. I've had enough killing for one day. I don't I don't wanna do more. Please stay out so I don't have to kill anybody else. I didn't get into this business to kill people. I just wanted to sell heroin in peace. That's right. Can't I just do that? <laughs> So Martin has to go and and convince What's-Her-Face that he's his partner. Yes. And she attacks him with a bat, then he convinces her, and then, okay, so, Steve? Yes. They find out where she is through the prostitute lady, right. I guess. I guess, yeah, yeah. None of them know, still know what she looks like. <laughs> no. But they've shown up at her apartment, right? They have, yes, that's right. Because they're, he's convinced her we got to leave, and she's got to take her dogs with her, because... That's how women are in Michael Bay movies. Yeah, women, you know, every, they make everything so complicated. Yep, but three guys with shotguns come in, and they're like, pow, 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 and there's a lot of running and pow, powing, and then they get in the car and they drive away, right? Yes. <coughs> And he takes her where? He takes her to Mike's place, which he is telling her is actually his place because he's telling her that he's Mike. Yeah. No. And then he's got to trick the, the front doorman. Yeah. Steve's favorite character. Yeah, Mocha Joe. And Mo, yeah, and that goes on for how long? About eight hours. How how long is that fucking scene where he has to convince someone to be let into the apartment? It takes forever. And then they get into the apartment, and because it's not his apartment, he doesn't know where any of the light switches are, and this just keeps going and going and going, and none of it is funny. No, and it's not. Then Martin goes home, and his wife is like, you smell like someone else's perfume, and he's like, Sh- shut, shut he's up. He's like, I'm a vice cop? Everybody shut up, please shut up. He goes back to the precinct and he's like, I can't keep pretending to be Mike. And then Mike shows up and he's like got a little ice pack on the back of his head. So I guess he's been knocked out all night. And he's like, can someone please tell me what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, can someone tell me too? Because this doesn't make any sense anymore. Why, Why is the police chief telling you to keep pretending to be Mike? Look. Mike is here. Right. She, he, Mike is, all he has to do is say, sorry, I tricked you, but here's Mike. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, we're all grownups here. This is a police matter now. We're going to take care of you. We're going to, you know. We'll, this we'll is get... a holdover from when this was a comedy with Dana Carvey and, and John Lovitz. Yeah. 
I have a sneaking suspicion that John Lovitz was having to pretend to be the suave, smooth, sophisticated one. Right. Get it? And hijinks and sue. Thank Christ that version wasn't made. Yeah, but but at least that would have made more sense because Lovitz and Carvey are different physical types. So there would have, you could see in theory, maybe there would be some humor in Lovitz having to pretend to be Carvey and vice versa. Sure. But, But I mean, yeah, it still would have been terrible, but... Meanwhile, um, uh, Frenchie McGives up during a war is over at the, <laughs> the, where the heroin's being cut, and he's threatening his chemist. He's saying, "You're gonna cut this heroin on time because I've got a seller." And and he's like, "Okay, yeah, we're cutting it with ether." Yeah. Well, you better do it faster, or I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. But before I kill he's you, like- I'm firing you as foreman of the heroin factory. <laughs> And so we cut back to Martin Lawrence. She thinks that he's gay because there's nothing but pictures of Will Smith all over the place. And then we get the first gay panic joke. Oh, yeah, because, yeah. Because let's not forget homophobia when we're listing the sins of Michael Bay. Meanwhile, Will is at the other house. Yeah. With saying with his kids, because, yep. yeah, we're sticking with this yep. stupid joke. And, and they made up a completely unnecessary lie to tell uh, Martin Lawrence's wife that instead yeah. of just saying it's cop shit, they told her that he was going to be out of town and that right. Mike is staying there to protect the family because there have been break-ins in the neighborhood. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. Sure it is. Can you make any of this funny? No. <laughs> Could It would be better. I would accept it if it was funny. It's not. It's not, though. It's not. None of it is. I feel like skipping directly to the end of the goddamn movie because this just keeps going on and on and on and on. Yep. Right? Oh, yeah. So what's... what's, I don't know. What what happens? Don't they they go... They go to a nightclub, right? Do they? They go to a nightclub and Julie comes with them. Julie, the witness in police protection, comes with them uh-huh. to the nightclub. Right. Um, Marcus gets Does in a fight come, in the. I thought she. Yeah, they get in the fight in the bathroom. Yeah. And um, meanwhile, Will Smith is hitting on girls. It's super funny. And and Julie has taken a gun and she sees the guy. Right. Yeah. And she's gonna shoot him, and then they stop her from shooting him, and then they gotta get away, and there's a car chase and they throw barrels of ether at them that explode and then they go into a convenience store and there's another funny scene there thinks that they're gonna rob him because they have guns and he pulls a gun on them and then they pull guns on him and (coughs) anyway does does julie hit on martin I think, yeah, there's when they go back to Mike's place and like she's on the bed and he's uh-huh. like, and yeah, I think she does kind of hit on him there. Yeah. Yeah. Because she has like four costume changes and she didn't bring any clothes. She brought a couple of dogs with her. <laughs> anyway, so what happens? Is there more running and hiding and screaming? Um, oh, that's right. Martin calls his house. Oh, that's he, right. Yes. He thinks that his partner and his wife are fucking each other. Yeah. And so then he sneaks back to his house, leaving leaving Julie all alone again. No, he handcuffs her. He handcuffs her car. to the steering wheel, yeah, and takes her that's along. That's right. Yeah. And then they get into a fight, but then it's quickly resolved. So it doesn't, you know, add something to the plot or something. No, it like really that. doesn't do anything but waste more time with unfunny shit. 
And then they go, oh, I know what we can do. And then they go back to the guy who's selling tires and they get him to tell him that uh, who there's a guy who could be cutting the coke and he tells them where he could be, right? Yeah. And that's a, they do a stakeout and nothing happens. Yeah, and Julie's bored. Ex- and she's like, ex- why are, are, are stakeouts usually this boring? And they're like, why are you even here? Mm-hmm. Why are you on a stakeout? Why are you here? They go back to, they go back and now, oh no, Martin's wife is there. And now she thinks that he, they're having a three-way with this girl. And she's going to leave. And because they were getting dressed to get ready to take out the bad guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then they all go to the lobby and the bad guy is there there yeah and they kidnap julie oh no steve yeah why um to give marcus and mike something to do for the last part of the movie but why why are why why did frenchy mcbaguette um kidnap her oh you mean why didn't did he they just want her dead why didn't he just kill her <laughs> and them that, and everybody and everybody just kill everybody yeah that's a great question i don't know okay great but uh there's it's the scene where they're chasing after the car and will smith apparently can only run in slow motion on one street with his shirt open <laughs> But he manages to get there in time because he's his partner's about to get runned over. And then they have that Michael Bay shot where they're both getting up and the camera swirls around them. Yeah. And you're like, why is that there? For the trailer. What pivotal thing did they just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It means nothing in the story. Nothing, nothing important means, has happened. It means fucking... Yeah. It means dick all. And then the receptionist comes clean and she's like, they took dirty pictures of me and they were going to put them up in my kid's school. So I gave them something... What did she do? It, she was feeding him information? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Okay. She's so bad. She, she did a bad thing. Fe- if she was feeding them information, then how come they acted like they didn't know what was going on half the time? <laughs> Why did the bad guys seem to not know what the fuck was going on? They forgot to write the information down, uh-huh. I guess. But uh-oh, Detective Marge Helgenberger has come back and she said, this place is shut down. And the big boss is like, I don't care. You're going to go out there, just the two of you. <laughs> you go out there and you're going to do what you do. I wish I knew what it was that they do. Yeah. Because he keeps telling them to go do what you do. Well, yeah. And it's like, argue? bicker back and forth pointlessly for hours the the movie has like everybody talks about them like they're these super cops right and like all you actually see them do in the movie is fuck up and make things worse yes yeah but then he says i want everybody i want the atv i want the the bcu i want the the csi i want the tba i want the usmc <laughs> i want everybody the ctw Meanwhile, uh, the co- the two super cops that we've been following enlist two other super cops, whatever their names are. I don't yeah, know. We've um, seen them a couple of times. Yeah. And they're like, hey, you want to get killed? And they're like, boy, do we. Hell yeah. And they go, they, they have a computer lady track some guy's cell phone, and they know the location of where they're going to be doing the handoff, right? Yeah. They're bringing the drugs and this big stereotype kingpin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It says, I guess, hello, I am, uh, thank you so much for the drugs. Um, wait, I'm confused, just a second, I'm paying you a hot $200 million for all this heroin, and I'm flying it back to my country, yeah, like, I'm, I'm, so I, I can I'm taking the turn drugs around from Miami? and ship it back to the United States? I don't, wait, I'm confused, am I taking it, or am I... <laughs> We're like, leaving it here. Okay, you you have the drugs already. So I'm just buying those drugs. I'm not taking them back to Colombia. <laughs> what? Uh, hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, they they're wire transferring over 180, and there happens to be 200 million dollars in 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 briefcase in the suitcase, right? Yeah. And what is the cunning plan to stop this and to save Julie? Oh God, I forget. Ram it with a dump truck. Oh, that that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's shooting. There's so much shooting. It's a Steve. shoot. It's a shootout. And everything's blowing up, and our heroes get sh- okay. Yeah. So here's something I don't get. Uh, Martin Lawrence gets shot in the thigh. Yep. It doesn't matter. Straight in the middle of the thigh. Yep. He's okay. He shoots a barrel next to the airplane. There's one of the bad guys that we kept seeing over and over again standing in the doorway. And down below him, in front of him, is a barrel of ether. And then he says the, the great line, which is... Uh, you forgot your boarding pass. That's right. You forgot your boarding pass. And it blows up. And somehow, the explosion in front of him pushes him in the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> The explosion in front of him outside the plane somehow shoots him out of the plane through the door in into a thing. And and I'm like, wait, okay, so you guys just don't give a shit anymore, right? <laughs> uh, Martin Lawrence gets Julie into their Porsche because, of course, it's there. Oh, yeah, and the drug, pig, drug kingpin was taking care of a lot of stuff. He says he's going home, right? right. And he's bringing home a... a fucking cobra and he's like yes i'm bringing you at home and i said what plane are you sticking that car in because i can see the plane you're there's no hole for that car to go in through you gotta lash it to the roof (laughs) so um but thankfully the um you know um frenchy mcquisenart is getting into his into that car that i guess had the keys in it and he takes off and then martin lawrence is like gets in the porsche with julie and then they're gonna pick up uh will smith because he got knocked down and they get him in the car because they got to get out before all of the evidence blows up (laughs) (laughs) before all of the heroin and the money and all of the suspects are all fucking burnt up. <laughs> yep. But now they got to chase him down the runway, right? Oh, yeah. that's exciting. It's a car chase, yeah. And there's and just a coming. little, there's yeah. a wall at the end, and there's just a, an opening that's just big enough for one car to make it through. Yeah, and uh, they both crash into either sides the end. Yeah, everybody dies. Happy ending. <laughs> everybody dies. No, what happens, Steve? No, well, of course, the bad guy crashes. And the good guys make it through, and then they turn around, and the bad guy's running away, and Will Smith pulls his gun and shoots him in the leg. And he falls down. He falls down. And then Will Smith is angry face, and he's like, I'm going to shoot you because I'm upset about... What am I upset about? His here? friend was killed. His oh, from, my friend yeah. was killed. She was pretty. <laughs> I liked her. But then his uh, partner goes, no, man, it's okay. And for a split second, I was like, oh, this is different. They're not killing the bad guy. Yeah, they're going to uh, they're gonna be like cops and arrest him. They're going to do one thing like <laughs> cops. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, Frenchie McDingdong pulls out his gun and, and he's like, ma-ha-ha. And somehow the glint from the gun shines in. Wait, I'm trying to figure this out because there's so many cuts. Shines in Martin's face. Yes. Which makes Will Smith turn around and shoot him four times in the chest. Yeah, yeah. And now he's dead. He sure is. So there's no one to prosecute. (laughs) 
Yep. There's no evidence left. I thought the whole point was to get the fucking goddamn heroin nope. back, that, that's, back into that, the police force. <laughs> that's apparently not going to happen. Okay, great. And there's no money anymore. <laughs> there's no bad guys anymore. I mean, the main bad guy, French bad guy, shot the drug kingpin. Yeah, so... Right? <laughs> and then we have an ending where Martin Lawrence walks off saying he's going to get some special times with his wife. Oh, because we forgot. In this, when they were all in the lobby and they were being shot out, his wife, who was pissed off, suddenly changed her mind and says, I love you, as he runs off to chase yeah. after the bad guys. Yeah, oh, and don't forget, before he before he limps away to fuck his wife, he handcuffs Mike and Julie together for some reason. <sighs> yeah. And none of the other cops at the scene have handcuff keys. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Because it's funny. I-, I forgot that part, too forgot it's okay i wish that i could it's the movie (laughs) over that's the end of the movie yay do this and make it quick i want to be less than an hour on our show this time god damn it what the fuck happened what was this (sighs) can i shall i shall i begin yes okay okay please okay um more like bad film Uh. right because um so, like, if I were to say to my Google assistant, hey, Google, how come Will Smith became a movie star, but Martin Lawrence didn't? It would uh-huh. be it would respond by showing me this movie. <laughs> um, this is not a good movie in any way. There is not a single good thing about it. It's not well written. It's not well directed. It's not well edited. Well, it's we not... don't know if it's not well written. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. The script down. It's not well improvised. Uh-huh. Um, there's nothing good about it. But Will Smith has charisma, and Will Smith has screen presence, and comes across as a movie star who is slumming it. While Martin Lawrence spends the movie flailing around and mugging and doing bad stand-up comedy. And to be clear, Will Smith does a lot of that too. But he just looks like a movie star while he's doing it. Um, This is supposedly an action comedy. The, Mm -hmm. The action's not terribly exciting. And I and I didn't laugh once um, nope. as we've as we've talked about. The comedy in the film consists of these two guys bickering with each other uh, yep. with a little bit of slapstick. About and pra- the same thing yeah. sometimes over and over. Again. Ha- well, I, you know, we mentioned that they have that scene at the beginning where they get carjacked and then they have the scene at the the convenience store, which is the exact same scene. Yeah. Like it's the exact same scene They they get guns pulled on them. They argue with each other. And and then when the other person is distracted by the argument, they pull their guns out and turn on them and turn the tables. It's the exact same scene. Um, none of it is performed particularly well. Like the, there's no timing. There's no skill. It's just bad. Um, there's also that half-assed attempt at, at a farce plot where they have to pretend mm-hmm. to be each other. Um, for no reason. For no reason. And although it fails utterly as comedy and entertainment, it is at least a good object lesson in how not to do farce. Because yeah. in order to work, farce has to be nimble and sleek and fast paced. And Bad Boys is none of those things. Um, no, because they waste too much time with the two of them constantly bickering. Exactly. Every time they have any kind of dialogue exchange. Exactly. It's it, Stupid things happen and our two stupid main characters stop to argue stupidly over how stupid it was. Yep. That's most of the movie. 
Um, uh, This was the first time I had seen this movie. Uh, It is Michael Bay's first feature as a director, and I I get now why Michael Bay relies so heavily on explosions in his later films, because without them, he's got nothing. Mm. Without something loud and bright happening every five minutes to distract us, his limitations as a filmmaker are even more obvious than they already are. Like, he... He shoots his actors in almost nothing but mediums and close-ups, except for the women who get leering, you know, like tracking shots up their legs and stuff and, you know, low-cut shots down their tops and stuff. Um, But for the men, for the important characters, they're almost always shot in medium and close-up. Everything that isn't an action scene looks like it was shot for TV, and a few of the action scenes look like that, too. Um, I going in, I was hoping at least for entertaining trash. I didn't even get that. No, like if not for the star power of the cast and the involvement of Simpson and Bruckheimer, who were a heavyweight producing duo, uh, this could have been a cheap direct to video action movie. And that's probably what it should have been. So there, yeah. there you go. That's all I have to say about it. I'm done. I agree with Steve. The end. Bye it's, everybody. It's, it's garbage. It's garbage. So, if you're going to put your film film success into the hands of improv, make sure you have two people who know how to do that. Now, this improv is the same every single goddamn time. It's always an argument. There's never a funny scene where they're not arguing and it's improvised, right? There's no right. funny scenes, period. Yeah. But the simple fact is, is that both of them only had one setting when it came to the two of them having a discussion, and it always degraded into an argument about something because that's probably the limitation of their improvisational skills. They couldn't do anything much more than that. And so when you make a decision, we're throwing the script out then you are subjected to whatever is left. Whatever these guys come up with is going to be the dialogue. I'm sure they came in and they said, okay, this is what's happened. This is what's what you need to do. And we need to get from this point to this point. Right. Now, it's possible that the original script was absolute and total garbage, but I bet it had a focus. I bet it got people going from point A to point B. I bet things made sense. And I bet it was about an hour and a half long. Instead of the two hours, and I'm not joking, I I would love to be able to see just how much time is taken up from what could have been a five-sentence scene (laughs) to five minutes of a pointless argument about nothing, right? I mean, here's the thing. You want two guys arguing about messing up the inside of their of the inside of their car because someone's eating a cheeseburger sloppily? You turn to Quentin, Tar- Quentin Tarantino and said, "Can you do five minutes on this?" And he's like, "Fuck yeah, I can do that." And I'll probably throw in the N word in there a couple of times, but <laughs> so he it'll, would be, it'll do end it. up being a two minute scene, but still, you know, it would still be a two minute scene. <laughs> but here's the thing. The thing about Quentin Tarantino is that he uses dialogue to establish character. Yeah. Right? It doesn't... The, what they're actually... Look at the beginning of Pulp Fiction. You have two guys in a car, which is a lot of what we have in this movie. You have two guys in a car fi- talking to each other. Right? Yeah. The beginning of Pulp Fiction, you have two guys in a car. You have Jules and you have Vincent. And what Vincent is doing is describing what it was like to be in Amsterdam. You know nothing about these two characters. We just meet them in this car. Right? By the time they're done, which is maybe a minute and a half worth of dialogue. You know what they are? They're hitmen. You know that they like drugs and <laughs> that they're probably, you know, but, but that they're people. They yeah. have senses of humor. You know, they may not be the most world wise, but I mean, you get the idea. 
Vincent is kind of laconic, and Jules is kind of enthusiastic about what he's hearing, right? Right. Did you pick up anything from either one of these two characters about who they are in the hour and a half of improv improv no. arguments? No, uh, no, I didn't. And not only that, another big problem is that they have the exact same personality. Exactly. I mean, so the whole switcheroo. Yeah. One of them is the supposed to be a family man, like, and the other one is supposed to be a ladies' man, but their actual personalities are exactly the same. Are exactly alike. Yeah. And so the whole switcheroo isn't funny because they're the same person, right? They yeah. have they, they argue the same way. They do the same exact things. There's nothing instinctive about their personalities that makes one different from the other. If someone out of the two of them had attempted to be, you know, like, for example, the Martin, the Martin Lawrence character could have been more straight-laced, more sub, you know, more reserved or whatever, and and the and the uh, Will Smith character, since he's single and has no attachments or anything else, he could be, you know, looser and more expressive in his language. You you could set up so then it's actually funny when one of them has to pretend to when the straight-laced character has to pretend to be the looser character, right? Right. But since both of them talk exactly the same, we're, I'm just sitting there going, how is this funny? They're trying to... He, I, The chief is trying to correct him on how he's impersonating um, Michael yeah. or Mikey or whatever his name is. And it's like, he sounds exactly like him because they both sound exactly yeah. the same. Then neither <laughs> one of them is different. That's what I was thinking too. Like, they're the same dude. <laughs> And I said, maybe there was a script there where it was funny. Maybe there is a script there where there is five lines of dialogue, right? And the joke is right there. And maybe the joke, I mean, he, literally, the, 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 the eating the hamburger, you, you cut to the scene where they're sitting there. One guy is trying to eat a hamburger. It's slopping onto his car. And the other guy says, could you watch what you're doing? This is my car and you're messing it up. And the other guy goes, oh, I'm sorry. And then he spills more food. You know, yeah. make them people instead of arguing why it's okay. You know, and then he goes, I'm sorry, I haven't eaten all that. Stuff. And then that's it. Five lines yeah. instead of the 36 that we got <laughs> exactly. in this improv. So the movie, the movie is, is I, I'm not joking. It feels like a joke. It feels like a parody. You know, there's one thing. There's one movie that has kind of wrecked 90s films. Just basically thrashed shop. So that there are certain 90 film, 90s films you can't watch anymore without thinking they're a parody. And that was, uh, what was it? Uh, um, the, the marionette movie. Oh, Team America. Team America. Yeah. World yeah. Police. After that, you can't go back and watch any 90s action movies without without thinking that it's a parody because they did such a good job of parodying them. Yeah. Right? And this movie feels like that. The the stupid cutting. The the running in slow-mo. The running in slow-mo. Yeah, God. How many times should we cut to in that one action sequence? Every time we cut to Will Smith, he's on the same fucking street running in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, 15 to 16 other things are going on in regular motion. Cut back to Will Smith and he's, you know, bionic manning it down the street. Yeah. I just, I didn't, I didn't like it. And uh, some people thought it was funny. Apparently it was funny enough to get a sequel. I went online to see, uh, there was a scene, funniest scenes in the Bad Boys movies. And none of them were from this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, mm, okay. So uh, I'm Steve. Mm-hmm. Recommend? Not recommend? Not recommend? Oh, both not, not recommend. Not recommend. Not, not recommend. recommend. Don't watch it. <laughs> not recommend strenuously. 
strenuously Dude. not recommending, Steve. Yeah. Do you have a movie you want to recommend? I do actually. I I um there was a movie the the first movie that popped into my head to recommend was one I decided not to because I wasn't sure if you were going to or not because it it did come out in the same year as Bad Boys. Um so I decided to play it safe and recommend a movie that came out uh, about 10 years later. Okay. Um that also is a cop movie. Sure. That also takes place in Miami. Oh. In fact, it has Miami in the title. Okay. In fact, it's the movie version of Miami Vice. <laughs> but nobody liked that movie. It's not. Did they? It's not a great movie, uh-huh. but it's a very, very fine movie. Okay. Um, it's not. It's directed, of course, by Michael Mann, who also created the the TV series. Um, sure. And is a brilliant filmmaker. And this is not, I wouldn't put this up with his best work, but this is a really great crime action movie um, with okay. Jamie Foxx and Colin Farrell as, uh, or Colin Farrell as, as Crockett and Jamie Foxx as Tubbs. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's sleek and lean. There's almost no exposition. It jumps you right into the story. You get to know the characters along the way as the story progresses. You know, there's not a lot of stop and getting to know everybody type stuff. It just, you know, moves right along. It's really fast paced. Um, really good performances, great action scenes. Uh, there's uh, there's one particular scene where they have to rescue somebody who's been taken hostage by drug dealers, and there's just so much tension in the scene, and the resolution of it is just really, really satisfying. And um, It's everything that Bad Boys isn't. It's not particularly funny, so it also has that in common with Bad Boys. Um, Yay. But it doesn't try to be funny. It's, it's a serious, like, sort of nose-to-the-grindstone, like kick-ass action movie and it's pretty good i actually really enjoyed it so um if you're looking for a miami-based cop movie that is actually good <laughs> i would recommend and there, there must be other ones too but the one that i'm recommending is the 2006 feature film version of miami vice yay now we're gonna get to see how well steve knows me <laughs> let's see as you guys know i like to recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed and it's 1995 and there is another cop movie and it is a buddy movie and i do like it more but it's also a sequel Ooh. and it's but this one's set in new york in the summertime and it's hot and this movie actually has two characters who play off against each other pretty well. <laughs> and that movie is called Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> was that the movie, Steve? That's not the movie, but that's better than the one I was going to pick because it's a, it's a closer you... match to Bad Boys with the buddy cop thing. What, which one were you thinking of? I was going to say Heat. Eh. <laughs> not a fan? Eh. Yeah, this one's, cl- this one's closer. Oh, oh, yeah, it's closer to Bad Boys for sure, yeah. Die yeah. Hard with a Vengeance is the only good Die Hard sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Because they did something different with the plot line. It was connected to the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it moved him to a different location altogether. It's, it sided him with another partner, but they don't get along that great at the very beginning. But by the end, you're rooting for both of them. Um, it's got Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis and Jeremy Irons yes. as a bad guy. And that's always good. And it's another misdirect. And there's another heist. And it's really great. And they have to go around 
solving riddles, and that's fun. <laughs> and and some of the stuff that they do to make Bruce Willis do is just. There's a great scene where he has to go and wear a placard yeah. in Harlem. Yeah, and it's a it's it doesn't say anything very nice. And Willis is willing to do it because he's afraid he's going to blow up. There's like a mad bomber in New York. Yeah, and so he's he's doing this because and he fully recognizes that he's going to get killed by doing it. And it's got a racist thing on the on the front of it. And he sometimes Bruce Willis is such a good goddamn actor. And when he's walking down the street and he sees an old black lady look at him and look at the placard, you can just see it all over Bruce Willis's face. Yeah. And you can tell that it's killing him, that he's doing this and he's hurting this old lady. And it's just a good movie. Yeah. It just is. And they also, it gives, you know, what the better thing is, is that he talks about his time in New York and all this other stuff. And it's great. And so you get to meet some of the people that he works with. And they get moments where they get to be heroes. And, um, you know, it's also good to find out that the whole, it didn't work out between him and Holly, that there's still problems there. Um, yeah. That it just didn't get fixed because some terrorist tries to <laughs> take over the Nakatomi Tower or whatever. It's just good. It's just a good movie. Yeah. So if you want to watch something where it's more of a buddy, a buddy feel and you get to know the two people and they get to know each other and they grow into it. Because that was the other thing about Bad Boys. They've apparently been partners forever. There's no introduction. There's no getting to know anybody. They're just already together and their dynamic is already there and set. Right? Yeah. So there's no opportunity there in the movie for us to get to know the characters by the two of them getting to know each other, right? I mean, fuck it. Even Lethal Weapon let us do that, right? So <laughs> if you want to watch a good one, watch Die Hard with a Vengeance. This is good. <sighs> and I don't want to do what's next, Steve. You don't. I don't want to do what's next. Oh, oh, because of Steve, uh, because of the the time of year. I I think I know what's coming next. It's the most horrible time of the year. Yeah, for us it is because what, what, because of this terrible work that we have chosen for ourselves. So the next time one of our podcasts drops is going to be February, mm-hmm. close to that dreaded holiday. Yeah, Va- Valentine's Day. Valentine's. And you guys know that every Valentine's we do a romantic movie or a romantic <sighs> comedy movie. Yeah, we do. Last year it worked out great for Steve. Not so much for me. <laughs> <laughs> because we did one of Steve's favorite romantic movies. I don't think there's... Well, we'll see. Well, let's, I picked three. <laughs> let's find out. I picked them. I picked... Okay, so as you guys know... Now's the time where Steve has to pick the next movie we're going to review. I've selected them. He does not know what they are. He must choose A, B, or C. Yes. And whatever he chooses, we're stuck with. Yep. We're stuck with forever. Yep. So, Steve, yep. A, B, or C? Okay, so two shows ago, I chose B, and we got Unforgiven. That's right. That was great. Last time I chose B, and it fucked us because we got bad boys. That's true. But I'm thinking, you did it twice in a row. But I'm thinking B's not going to fuck us twice in a row. So I'm going to choose B again. Have you paid attention to the history of this show, Steve? Yeah, I've been here Did, the whole time. You just said that B isn't going to fuck us twice in a row, I'm, right? I'm taking a leap of faith. Yeah, boy, you just plunged straight down into the chasm of disappointment. Oh, great. Okay. I don't even want to say what you picked. <laughs> oh, boy. Has you chosen A... We would have reviewed The Notebook. Uh-huh, uh, okay. It keeps going in there, and we keep not picking it. <laughs> Fine by me, says I. I know, right? Had you chosen C, 
we would have reviewed a movie that I know you like, Roman Holiday. Oh. I keep putting it in there. You keep missing Damn. it. Damn. Oh, well, maybe next Valentine's Day. But now, because of your stupid goddamn, the universe will be fair to us bullshit. <laughs> okay. You've consigned us to fucking pain oh, again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Let's. You used to look around the room and say, the first letter I see is A, so we're doing A. I'm overthinking it. You're right. Next time, I just need to just... Just go with what you are over because you could just say B every single time, B, <laughs> whatever it is, and then I can start arranging the movie that I want exactly. to review is B, and that's when you'll fucking switch it up and go, I'm sorry, but the tea leaves this morning said pick C, <laughs> the chicken bones, the chicken bones told me, told me to pick C. <laughs> Ten years, you've gone completely voodoo. <laughs> You're like, okay, I've got my top, top, top hat on. I've painted a skull on my face. Let's go. I'm ready. You pick B. Okay. So the movie we're going to review next is mm-hmm. the teen lit romantic fantasy. Okay. Which is, in actuality, just a thinly veiled metaphor for Mormonism. Oh, boy. The classic... <laughs> Twilight. Oh, it hurts. Oh, it hurts so much. <laughs> that burns. Oh, that burns. It hurts. It hurts. That burns. My daughter heard it. And she's saying, ew. <laughs> she's wailing in the background. <laughs> you have introduced pain into this household. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't know. So. If, <laughs> look, if I, hey, I've got to watch it, too. <sighs> So, if you guys want to find out why I can't stop vomiting... <laughs> if you want to hurt like please. we hurt. <laughs> Watch... Tw- I can't tell them to do it. Watch Twilight. It'll give you someone to blame during your therapy session. Yeah, just, you said to watch it, so I watched it. Just put it all on me. Just put it all on me. Now I don't understand anything. Is this how girls are? I don't know. I don't, this isn't how anything is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. I don't feel like doing anything after that. That's no. It's, you take over the, the end of the show. The, Go see a movie this week. I don't care who I am. This is Jason Harding. If you guys love me, you'd put a bullet in me. <laughs> wow. I shouldn't say that out loud. No, it's, it's public it, that I only know pockets of. Guys, I don't want you to put a bullet in me. Put a bullet in Steve. <laughs> oh, my, my dog has come to. to she knows instinctively when a bad movie Is everything okay? <laughs> There's a disturbance in the forest. Um, yeah, guys, don't put bullets in anybody, okay? For late seating, this is Jason Harding. You go see a movie this way. And this is Steve Shives. You know, this movie reminded me of what my driving instructor said to us before we were about to take our written test. I got 16 bullets in this gun, and I swear I'll fill up your brain with some hot shit if you don't give me any answers. Did his gun have 16 bullets in it? Well, he, I mean, there were only 14 of us there, so... But is there a handgun that can fold... 16 bullets. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that like guns like the ones that they carried only carry about, only have like 10. 8 to 10, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything. But I, they're bad cops, I, so it wouldn't be surprising. I don't, I don't know that much about guns because I'm not a fucking psychopath. <laughs> Wait, I know a lot about guns and you're saying I'm a psychopath? Well, I thought... Okay, I, we got to settle this with a gun. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a psychopath already. 
oh well, thank you. Oh, no. But you thought I was a, like a knife. Yeah, psychopath. like exactly. Like you get in close and like I'll cut you slow. <laughs> a you quiet. Like that. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. No, no. You're no. You're wrong. Okay. That's wrong. Well, you know, I'm a I, corn cob. I'm a corn cob holder psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a whole separate category. Yeah, they don't have a word. They don't have a diagnosis for that one yet. <laughs> the, the psychiatrist all just tell me to leave. Another one has to pop up before they can say it's like, you know, an actual psychological diagnosis. Until then, I'm just a weirdo. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Why can't you be like the other psychopaths? Because I don't want to be like them. They're boring. Guns, knives, choking. <laughs> I'm supposed to choke somebody like a chump? Come on. Yeah, it's boring and it takes a really long time. Who wants that? You, you know what I want to be? I want to be the anvil psychopath. Yeah. Where I'm just stringing up anvils like in an Acme cartoon. Yeah, break some town. new ground, you know? like like. That's I right. mean, don't be like everybody else. Literally breaking ground. Literally. <laughs> because I keep having to say, stand on that X. <laughs> don't look up. Don't watch me cut through this rope. <laughs> What's that oh, over hello, there? hello, officer. <laughs> you have to be a master of, of manipulation and distraction. Oh, like the shadow? Yeah, you have to cloud men's minds so you can drop anvils on them. <laughs> Wish you could drop anvils on the people who made this movie. Yeah, me too. Wish you could drop an anvil on myself or even they're, play Twilight up as, a, as an option to pick. They're really rich, though. That's, they probably live in anvil-proof houses. Ultimately, that's why I can't blame Steve for what we're going to watch next, because I'm the one that put it there. No. If I didn't want it picked, I wouldn't have put it there, right? That's, yeah, that's true. So it's my fault. It's, well, yes. It's, you know what? It's both of our fault. It's time for me to anvil myself. No, Jason, no. <laughs> All right, that's it. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Let Me Listen. And thanks for listening.